0: Ninja. hello everyone and welcome to geography ninja and this time we're going to be talking about japan um japan and really asking is is it sustainable is its global status uh, sustainable given all of the pressures that it's facing and you know i'll tell you the reason that this one i thought this would make quite a good episode um <clears throat> this came up actually i i uh You may not know, I I teach at a college in the UK. I teach students A-level geography. And this is one of the questions that they've they've been facing. Uh, They had some information about Japan, um, dealing with its sort of economy, its population, its its, uh, natural hazards and so on. And really just trying to assess or trying to evaluate whether or not uh, that it was sustainable. So I thought this would be quite a good one. It covers a huge range of different geographical ideas and hopefully also it will provide some really good um, insight into some of the the main trends and issues facing one of the world's largest economies. So firstly, we should say that Japan uh, comes third after the USA and China in terms of size of its national economy and this you know it's a pretty amazing feat really when you consider that at the end of the second world war japan was had been completely uh, exhausted and uh, really bombed into submission um by by the usa so it was a devastated country in 1945 um, but certainly by around 1980, it was it was uh, you know a huge economic power, exporting uh, tremendous amounts of of products. Um, I think it's only in in recent years that China has overtaken it in t- in terms of its GDP. So you know for for many decades, Japan has been up there as one of the the world's top. Economic powers, which really does give it quite a lot of clout on the the global stage. So it's definitely it has been a sig- very significant global power um, during during that time period. Certainly for the last fifty years or so. And of course, one thing that we do know is that global power doesn't is not just static; it does change. Over time, it's it's a very dynamic process. Geographers have got lots of different models and theories that we use to try and analyse this sort of global level of change. You know, Japan is definitely up in that top tier of countries at the moment. Is it always going to remain so? That really gets to the heart of what we want to talk about in this particular podcast all right then. Well, let's just start off with a little bit of background um, on Japan. So, first, first thing to say is that we've got about one hundred and twenty-seven million people living in Japan, and over a quarter of that population live in the Greater Tokyo area, which is on the um, the largest island of Honshu. Um, now, the population density. In Japan it equals 340 people per square kilometer, which makes it uh, one of the most highly densely populated countries on the planet. Um, and the other issue that Japan has is its prevalence of tectonic hazards. So we're talking about earthquakes, uh, active volcanoes, the, the risk of coastal flooding severe coastal flooding from tsunami which uh, can often be caused by um, uh, submarine earthquakes so we've got all of these potential threats to japan in fact it's got 110 active volcanoes and you know earthquakes have been part of its history certainly over the last hundred years there have been some pretty major japanese earthquakes so the one that um that I always remember because there's a fantastic exhibition in the Natural History Museum in London, is the the Kobe earthquake of uh, 1995. And if you if you ever in London and you go to the Natural History Museum, there's um, well there's a, there's an earthquake simulation. You sort of walk into a Japanese supermarket. Uh, you've got things things on the on the shelves. Um, pictures around the place, and then suddenly the ground starts to shake and the things on the shelves start to move around. It's trying to simulate the the experience of an earthquake. That's probably the first one I I ever got to know when I started getting into geography. Um, But, you know, other ones have occurred as well, particularly one back in the 1920s that devastated most of Tokyo. So Japan has has had to deal with uh, constant sort of multiple threats from natural hazards in a, uh, you know, a series of islands that have very uh, high density population. And when those two, two things go together, you really have the recipe for potential um, disaster happening. Now, alongside all of that, so you might think, well, you know, geolo- geology is really interesting then in Japan. Well, it is. However, uh, Japan has very few natural resources. So no real natural mineral resources in Japan. So it's highly dependent on imports from overseas. So maintaining those sort of trade relationships with other countries, you know, exports, lots of manufactured products, but it is almost completely dependent on being able to import those raw materials needed for uh, manufacturing production. Now, the other point really to make about Japan and its population uh, and g- geography, generally, really is that m- the majority of um, Japan's population density is actually in the not in the central Japan; it's in the more coastal regions, sort of the uh, the east, sort of southeast coastal regions of Japan. Um And, you know, major urban areas, and the reason for that is that most of Japan's interior is, is really too mountainous to be urbanised, uh, really steep slopes, um, you've got about something like 60% forest in Japan, fantastic, but it means that you've got this, this real scarcity of land being available, um, which... Has got to cram in really, you know, the 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 population centres, but you also need it for, uh, for food production too. So it's you know Japan's physical geography, is a major constraint on its population distribution, um, and really giving rise to these very high population densities in some of the large, urban areas. Now, saying all of that, um, you, we've got. You know, Japan has got some really very, very good standards of, of living. Um, and just got to have a look at the Guinness Book of Records that my, my daughter had, the Guinness Book of Records for Christmas, which is is now her, her total favourite book. One of the things on there um, shows that people, you know, with the longest life expectancy, really, you know, living until some very ripe old ages, Uh, many of them come from Japan. So life expectancy is very high, one of the world's healthiest um, populations, but population certainly constrained by physical geography. So, you know, right from the start, we've got to then question about the Japan's position in terms of its global power, how sustainable that might be. Um, And it certainly does have have some pretty major constraints. Okay, so while we're on this theme of of population, uh, one thing to point out straight away with Japan is that it is in the position of having a declining population. So current estimates uh, are that with with the the current trends that we've got at the moment in Japan, the population is likely to de- to decline by around a third by around twenty sixty, um, and the reasons for this really are that Japan has quite low fertility rates, so you're very you know small numbers of of babies being born to each family, so below what demographers would call the um the replacement level. Uh, so that's one, one aspect. So um looking at any sort of population projections for Japan sees the, the the sort of youth population in quite rapid decline over the next few decades. Certainly fewer, uh you know, much smaller proportion of Japan's population been made up of uh, ages Uh, you know, from baby age up to about 14 or so. What is likely to grow over the next few uh, decades is Japan's ageing population. So it's 65 plus population. Um, So really looking, the the current estimates are by about 2060. We're going to have something in the region of 19 million um, over eighty. Year olds in Japan. Now, this is all, all, again, this is, um, you know, this is all just about birth rates, death rates, aging population, so on. If we factor in also uh, the migration situation for Japan, uh, there has been a cultural resistance to wanting large scale immigration to Japan to compensate for any decline in the uh, the Japanese population, so now this is a really interesting one and, and research i 've looked at before have suggested that most japanese uh, when when questions about this would rather have people you know working later into their old age or maybe um, you know going more for more automation of the workforce, so you know bringing in more sort of ro- robots to um, to produce things rather than uh, getting migrants into the country, which could obviously have a, um, a dramatic change to Japanese identity, national identity and so on. Um, certainly very re- resistant to do that. So with that, you know, just looking at the, the, the demographics for Japan, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, is Japan sustainable in terms of its declining population. Can they compensate? Can they overcome that by, you know, like like we say, uh, robotization of of the workforce? Is that possible? Okay. Well, the, the other thing we need to look at really is is the the, the plate tectonics around Japan and the the, um, the prevalence of natural hazards such as earthquakes and tsunami and so on. And, um, you know, we can call Japan... Japan is really an archipelago, so it's this, this sort of, uh, you know, it's a chain of islands. Now, where Japan sits, is on the edge of what geographers sometimes refer to as the Pacific Ring of Fire. So in other words, this sort of uh, outline made by the Pacific Ocean, the coastal regions, where there is a, <clears throat> a really high number of um, tectonic events including volcanic eruptions and, um, and earthquake events now the the data that we have here is that apparently 20% of all global earthquakes with magnitude 7 or higher and this is on the moment magnitude scale uh, this is these are major earthquakes magnitude 7 or greater is a is a major earthquake the 20% of them occurring in and around japan and there's been about 30 of these happening over the last century in Japan. And it just so happens that many of these earthquakes, these higher magnitude earthquakes, uh, do tend to coincide with population density uh, centers. So for example, the area uh, close to, or surrounding Tokyo, um, there's, there's quite a strong possibility are uh, a high probability there somewhere between uh, six and twenty-six percent probability of a magnitude six earthquake or higher over the next thirty years. Um, further along the coast as well um, of Japan, so moving to areas around sort of Osaka, uh, Kobe, and so on, the probability of that high magnitude earthquake. Tends to rise, so where we're looking at these um, you know forecasting maybe where the next big earthquake might happen um you have got that sort of coincidence with with where you've got the these high density populations, so certainly um, you've got the potential there for for things to go wrong, so this is despite the fact that Japan is often seen as as really one of the best countries in the world, a model state, if you like. For, its, for being prepared for having really good capacity to cope in the face of, uh, of earthquakes and associated hazards. So if we go back to 2011, there was um, um, an earthquake, I think it was magnitude 7 earthquake, that hit the east coast of Japan. Now, this is the area around Fukushima. Um, it caused... It caused a tsunami, and um, what the tsunami did, uh, it led to a a really quite serious and dramatic nuclear um, meltdown accident. The nuclear reactor at Fukushima was affected, um, causing radioactive fallout. Um, You've had about 30,000 deaths. Um, You had somewhere in the region of half a million people displaced by the tsunami, um, massive economic damage as well, something in the region of, of uh, 360 billion um, damage uh, to the the infrastructure, really, and and to the economy um, in this um, in this location. So you know, despite the fact that Japan is a a rich, well prepared country, in the face of all of these natural hazards, again, we do need to question what is the sustainability. Of Japan, if, it's, if it, it is very, very likely that we're going to have another major earthquake at some point over the next 30 years. Okay, well, let's shift our attention then to Japan's energy needs. And, um, you know, Japan has had a nuclear program in place for a long time, since the 1950s. Uh, and really, trying to supply huge amounts of its energy through um, through nuclear, mainly due to the reason that the country is is just so so um, lacking in terms of its own uh, energy resources, such as fossil fuels, which you know may be seen as a good thing in terms of uh, CO two emissions. However, when the um, twenty eleven earthquake and tsunami hit. The Fukushima nuclear power station, um, and caused the accident. Uh, actually, what happened as a result of that is pretty much all of Japan's nuclear power plants were shut down um, as a result of that. So, looking at any any data, you've got the uh, March 2011, the um, Fukushima. Nuclear accident after that actually japan 's nuclear energy tends to to trail off completely the The gap uh, in terms of the energy mix seems to have been filled mostly with um, natural gas being imported, but actually coal uh, has increased too um, uh, so that has been a bit of a change in terms of japan 's energy mix since two thousand and eleven. However, following um, government decisions in 2015, there's there's a plan in place at the moment to to try and restart that nuclear program alongside um, trying to increase the amount of renewable um, energy there too. So you know, really, that sort of information should again make us question the longer term sustainability. Of Japan, because out of all of the the world 's top economies, it's, Japan probably has the least in, in terms of um, source of energy resources, and this is definitely also reflected in its imports so you know Japan is a, a really important trade, trading nation, um, certainly since the the 1960s or so it 's been you know, very export driven uh, japan 's development, but if we look at the top five imports. For Japan, three out of the top five imports are uh, energy, fossil fuel energy uh, resources coming in, and uh, huge, huge amounts actually. So, oil and petroleum, um, somewhere in the region of 51 billion US dollars uh, every year. Liquefied natural gas. Uh, that's LNG, uh, 34 billion dollars. Coal, somewhere in the region of 17 billion dollars. So three out of the five top imports for Japan are are energy. Now Japan does very well in terms of balance of trade; um, it actually exports more than it imports. So on, on that basis, that would seem sustainable if if Japan can keep that um, that level of trade going in terms of what it's exporting. Around the world, um, it can clearly afford to pay for those energy imports, but certainly it would seem that that finding more um, indigenous energy sources, whether it be um, renewable, uh, does seem like the way that Japan could enhance its sustainability in terms of its main exports. Um, cars really comes uh, on the the top of the list: automobiles. So somewhere in the region of 92 billion dollars worth. Of exports from Japan every year, and then another 32 billion for um, motor vehicles. So uh, Japan's top five exports very, uh, you know, manufactured products, and of course Japan has got a really uh, a global reputation for for high tech, um, you know, adv- advanced products that are uh, really are world world renowned. that's quite interesting. So, what can we say then about you know whether Japan is you know is its status safe as a global power? Is it is it sustainable? Well, you know, in in terms of uh, its trade, you know, it's um, the 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 technical innovation that Japan has, particularly in, in things like robotics um, and so on. You know, could that possibly reduce how dependent it is? On fossil fuels, that you know, it, it could well do that. Um, also, because the uh, the population is shrinking um, over time, what what does that mean in terms of sustainability? Does it mean that um, money that would have been spent on uh, you know providing for a larger population can be invested in in other areas instead. So it's not, it's not a clear cut conclusion on this one about Japan's sustainability. Um, you know, but saying that we have got, Japan is has got some very powerful neighbors. So South Korea, China definitely are in competition with Japan. Uh, they're, they're all going after export markets, uh, you know, they're all exporting uh, economies. Um, how, how will that affect Japan in the future? And with certainly China, the size of China and the fact that it, it, it can undercut um, in terms of production costs, how will that affect, affect Japan? Okay, well, the final thing I wanted to just take a look at is the idea of Japan's cultural impact. Um, really what we sometimes will call soft power if we 're looking at things like international relations uh, the sort of geopolitical side of things, we would use the term soft power um, which really means you you take a a, a persuasive approach to uh, to dealing with other countries so rather than sending sending in the the tanks and the aircraft carriers you you talk you and your your um, influence as a country uh, might be based more on sort of economic or cultural factors rather than military hardware. So it's a, it's a non, non-coercive type of power. Now, Japan, um, most of the indicators on this suggest that Japan is doing very, very well. So <clears throat> uh, one of the, the things I've been looking at over, over recent years is the, the magazine Monocle, and they do, they do a soft power index. Um, and over the last three years, Japan has been going up and up and up. Um, so when I look previously back towards the end or m- middle of 2019, Japan was up at about around number three globally in terms of its use of soft power. Um, the the most recent one, which was published, it's the um, monocle number 129 published for December um 2019, January 2020, suggests that Japan is number one now, globally number one in soft power um, rankings. Um, suggesting really, you know, Japan has been hosting all of these big international events, um, sporting competitions, rugby world cup last year, the G20 it hosted, it's going to be hosting the Summer Olympics in 2020. Uh, Japan is actually doing very well in terms of soft power. Tourism is on the up. You've got lots of new infrastructure been built in japan it's seen as a really stable uh country in in asia well globally it's seen as a very stable country um so all of those things definitely working in japan's favor and and allowing japan still to be up there as as a global global player uh really you know despite the type of things that we've been been discussing here with with population and energy resources and um, and so on, uh, natural hazards that do have the ability to um, to to give Japan a bit of a hit um, in in those in those respects. Okay, well, I hope you found that interesting. Uh, that's been a nice little case study for you on on Japan and where they are with things. Um, so I'm going to finish off there. Looking forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay, bye bye for now. <laughs>